you know there's so much of life in the vineyard there are so biodiversity of different things every year you get these different plants growing and different insects which are there i'm amazed and i enjoy that i that's the part why making i love the most Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading down to the Mornington Peninsula to, well, when I was there, it was idyllic. I'm sure Ivani Wines goes through some stormy weather and difficult difficult moments, but the, the day that I had lunch there, it was absolutely perfect, looking out over the vines, eating beautiful food and drinking Shashi Singh's glorious wine. Shashi, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you, Danny. Um, very privileged to be part of your show. Oh, well, it's my privilege to speak to you. And I'm speaking to you uh, as Diwali has just kicked off. So can I say happy Diwali to you? Thank you so much. And same to you. Oh, I, I, I feel really excited about Diwali this year. I'm not Indian, obviously, but I just think it is so nice to have a festival that celebrates the triumph of good over evil and eating sweets at a time when, uh, you know, Melbourne and Sydney and uh, it feel, have come out of lockdown and it just feels like brighter times are ahead. Absolutely. I agree with you. We were so lucky to have this festival when the lockdown was over and we could see all our family and loved ones and celebrated the Diwali with my all grandchildrens. And yeah, it felt just enormously, you know, um, comforting and cherished the moments together with the family. Oh, that's so beautiful. Tell us, for people who don't know much about Diwali, tell us a bit about it. You know, what are the traditions uh, that, that you keep? Um, so Diwali is one of the biggest festivals in India and people take the special time off to be with their families and celebrate it together. Uh, to, um, it, starts, it starts with, you know, cleaning your house um, uh, and uh, taking out all the negativity out, out of your homes and <laughs> making it um, neat and clean and welcome the goddess Lakshmi that day. So and you um, wear or distribute new clothes to the family members and sweets to the friends and families. And it's all uh, festivity starts a day before because most of the people will make their sweets and different things at home. So it's a very on hands-on family affair. And uh, the evening sort of kicks off with firecrackers or um, giving sweets and um, clothes to the people who are less fortunate and, um, um, you know, like, uh, and having a big feast and special dinners. So we look forward for it um, the, um, the whole year to celebrate Diwali. And this year was special for me with my granddaughters and they made their own special divas, diyas, which are small lamps and decorated them. And they were very proud and made rangoli, which is a, like these special patterns that you make inside the house and outside the house to welcome the goddess Lakshmi. So, and Lakshmi oh. prayers is done. Yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. And what are some of your favorite Diwali sweets? I mean, there are, is it special sweets for Diwali or it's just that you eat sweets of any, of any sort? I think you can eat sweets of any sorts, um, um, depending on different families will have their special sweets. So, um, I think we are very lucky with Devendra, uh, my husband, who's a chef. So, 
he's under pressure by the kids and everyone to try <laughs> this new different things every year <laughs> so we have a we had a really beautiful diwali this year and all homemade stuff and goodies to last for a week <laughs> so some of the sweets he made this year was um one of the sweets that uh, comes from gujarat and I think we had it first um, from Haley she from Entawaya Laundry she made it and we loved it so much so you know and Devendra said we're trying to make it this year and ask uh, her for the recipe so this was the first time we tried this new sweet <laughs> so that's the fun And what part. is it It's made with made with um, besan which is a chickpea flour and a bit of milk and ghee and sugar so it's very traditional to gujarat that part of india and um it's just very sweet it's like a what you like a slice so so you make it and uh, yeah yeah um, i just love um i haven't been to gujarat but you, you get a lot of gujarati food and thalis in mumbai and i remember like how incredibly resourceful people are with with besan with the chickpea flour so many different like breads or sweet or savory dishes um it's just it's just i don't know it's just you could just go there and eat only dishes with besan and you would be satisfied from morning till night yes it is very versatile ingredient and in rajasthan they make it like different vegetables and uh used in different vegetables to making like okra to um uh, the okra to just making uh, with the besan in a gravy steamed and then made in a gravy uh, as well so it can be made in so many ways and used as breads vegetables sweets you name it and as a beauty product as well <laughs> oh really i didn't know that it's foliage yeah it's an exfoliant oh. yeah <laughs> I think maybe for one year in my life I'll do I'll have a beast a year of besan and I'll do something different every day and I think it'll be a really fun year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the very versatile ingredients you won't be disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Um I'll need to come to you for more advice though. But in the meantime, Shashi, let's talk about Avani. Tell us a bit about the property and the wines that you make there. So the Avani is a small vineyard uh, family owned small vineyard on Mornington Peninsula and at the estate uh, property we make just the Shiraz so it's all dedicated to Shiraz um, but we do uh, collaborate with a couple of other vineyards on Mornington and make Pinot Chardonnay and some of the aromatic whites and the um, viticultural practices at the estate vineyard are all um based on organic um, biodynamic and now added the vedic element to it um because they all go hand in hand and i've seen so much improvement in the vineyard and the wines that come from this property that i'm amazed i'm amazed and i'm just so lucky to see this in my lifetime <laughs> it's just like living the dream <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. So biodynamic and ayurvedic principles are sort of overlapping would you yeah, say? Yeah, because uh, I was um I've grown up I come from a part of India which is agricultural dominant from Haryana. And I have seen my grandparents and my uncles still who own the farm and work the farm 
doing the similar thing, making using the cow pet and uh, uh, and its products used in farming from a long time. And and those days when I was young, I so naive, thinking that you know the world has moved so much, but <laughs> you know my grandparents and my uncles are still doing these olden things, and maybe they can benefit more from the science and get ahead. But you know taking all the back, uh, you know, reversing all that to uh, what I've learned now is like how much damage we've done by not looking at the bigger picture and not looking at the things that we used to do, why our forefathers did that. And uh, when I stumbled across um, biodynamics in early 2000s, and when I started reading about it, there were so many similarities that it took me back to my roots and I wanted to know more and I kicked myself white the entire that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fascinating. So what's an example of something that you've done, you know, using these practices at Avani where you've really noticed a difference? Um, the first thing is like you stop uh, putting the poison and um, I found that the nature or the earth is so forgiving that it starts to repair and heal itself. And so I started using the um, uh, the preparations 500 in the first year. And I saw within a year, my soil just changed from, it used to be red, cluggy, very clay, uh, sticky clay. And it changed, started changing to a darker color with the soil structure, be frail, um, and all the um, earthworms returned and then slowly the, all the life started to return back to the vineyard. And I thought, my God, it's just, it, it had, I had goosebumps and I couldn't believe that in just in one year, when you stop doing that, how quickly it starts to come back. Uh, That's amazing. It just makes me wonder, like, where were the worms? I mean, are they, how do they I, know? I know? Everything is there. And I've, over the years, like I've been doing this from early 2004, 2005, um, I've learned that all our solutions are in the nature. Um, I think we just, we think we are very clever, but actually we are not. <laughs> we have to look back into nature for our solutions. And anything, like I had, not just not the wines, but I had fruit trees on the property and some of the fruit trees at that time when we took over were not producing anything and we were thinking these trees are just hogging the space. We don't get anything from that. We should cut them. But we got so overtaken with the amount of work involved in the vineyard, looking after the vineyard, that we didn't have time to do that. But thank God, whatever we were doing in the vineyard, the whatever drift they were getting of the uh, of the different things that we were putting it on, they came into life and they produced the best apples ever. <laughs> and the tree stayed. Wow. <laughs> and the intensity that you get. I haven't done anything. The nature does it for me. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it just makes you think, you know, what are all the things around us all the yes. time that we're just not listening to and noticing? Yeah. I think we're just so used to looking at a level of physical as well. If I come... I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but over, over my time, like I find that the things that we can't see are more powerful than the thing that we can see, <laughs> the energy level. And I think that's where, you know, uh, if I had no problem in 
taking on biodynamics, um, a belief in it. And, and then I looked back and thought how different parts and different things were done back home. Like even preserving the different uh, lentils that my grandparents grew or, or, or the wheat that they grew, it was preserved by using just the sand in between and putting, making these balls of cow dung and cow urine and putting into them so as a preservative and leaving like if you put this if you fill up fill it up with a lot of sand there's no air left so nothing grew in them they were preserved without any poison and you know it's just it's just little things like that <laughs> mm. so when you walk through the vineyard now shashi like what what sort of feelings do you get? What what sort of sensations are around you? I know each and every, my wine and what's happening, and I see them. They are so full of life, uh, vibrant. They are, um, they just almost talk to you. And um, the leaves are like, they look so energetic, Um you know, there's so much of life in the vineyard. There are so biodiversity of different things. Every year you get these different plants growing and different insects which are there. I'm amazed and I enjoy that. I, that's the part in my winemaking I love the most, the vineyard. It's a hard work, but I think that's most rewarding. And you're rewarded at mm. the end with the fruit, the quality of fruit. And, and what's your aim with the winemaking? I think my winemaking is very simple. I do most of my work in the vineyard. Uh, the winemaking, I let the wine speak from where it comes from. I don't want to, I just want to guide it, but not like change it. So, you know, the grapes come in, any minimal intervention in the wine. We don't do much. All the natural yeast take on whenever they want to. They start depending on what sort of climate and year that has been, and just wait and uh, for the results. And you are amazed every year. It doesn't matter what. There is a certain balance and depth in the in the wines, and you can you can take a sip, eyes closed, and say where it comes from. And that is such an exciting part. I never thought I'll get there. <laughs> and it, it kind of. All this journey, I think I'm so fortunate to be doing both, the wine growing and wine making. It has made me understood how connected these are. I think a lot of time people are very disconnected. They don't know, but they are so connected. You have to start your wine making there in the vineyard, and then you don't have to do much in the winery at all. Yeah. So, I mean, what about the wines that you make from other people's grapes or grapes that are grown elsewhere? Do you have to go and like have a bit of a conversation with those grapes to understand what they want to end up being or yeah, how does that work? Yes, yeah, they are like sustainable, but not to a level that I'm doing here, but slowly working towards it. But um, I do have a say how they are going and what needs to be done and when do we want to pick so that's another very exciting journey for me to know the peninsula and how diverse the peninsula is. Uh, and I have made uh, in the last few years wines from different parcels of fruit coming from different parts of um, Mornington Peninsula and how, how diverse 
being a small region, but it's still, it's got microclimates are so different. It's the, there's a diversity in there. So, which is so exciting to know. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shashi, I think we, we, we've, we heard a little about your life as a, a child, you know, in the, in rural Haryana, but tell us, bring, like, tell us the story. Like, how did you end up there in, uh, so far away making wine? I think I, I grew up in, uh, a place called Rotak, which is in Haryana. And uh, my father was in the army and my mother was uh, a teacher. But back home, um, all my extended family was still farming. So it used to happen like if they have three, four brothers, they all, one goes out and have that security of money <laughs> doing other job and the others stay on the farm. And I, uh, and I back and forth, always went to to the farm. The holidays were always on the farm. And if any other activity, we all used to get together back home uh, in the villages. So when I finished my degree, in, I did a master's degree in chemistry back home in India. So when I finished my degree, you know, in Indian culture, when a girl reaches a certain age, parents get worried and she has to be married off. So they started looking a match for me. So fortunately, or unfortunately, I don't know, fortunately, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, Devendra was here and um, through our family connections, we knew and, you know, uh, we haven't seen each other, but we talked on the phone and I said yes. And he went in 1982 um, back home. He was already here working as a chef and, um, before he before he went, because you only get to go only for a short period of time. So my wedding cards and everything was already printed. So, we, I mean, everything is first decided and you only get to see each other for the first time when he went back home. So I got married and came here and um, Devendra opened his restaurant in 80s on, in Frankston. And I had young kids on and off. I used to work in the restaurant. And that's how living on Peninsula, working in the restaurant, my appreciation for wine started to grow. And I think um, having the chemistry background, I started reading journals. And I wanted to do, once the kids were in eight and nine, I wanted to do something for myself. And this area interested me so much. Um, we were selling the wines from Wellington Peninsula into our, our local restaurant and meeting the producers. Um, and when the time came, I said, I want to do go more deeper into it, but I, I wasn't sure whether I'll be able to do this. So I joined a certificate course at Epping Tef. And once a week, I used to go there to learn the terminology of wine and the viticulture. And I really met few people who were uh, in the similar course and working and got to know the teacher who was doing a VOGA degree. And that's how I came to know about the VOGA degree. And I researched and um, got the information and I thought, oh, well, yeah, I can do this. And that's how I ended up doing that degree. And then over the course of this time, we were very lucky and fortunate to meet Philip Jones at that's Philip. And I did my first vintage with him in 2004. And I couldn't believe how 
excited and how much I enjoyed that vintage, the adrenaline rush that I got. I didn't want it to end. Wow. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> what an amazing story. It's just such a journey. I love it. I just, I mean, every year I used to think, Danny, that there's so much physical work involved in it and how I'm going to do it. But something happens used to happen to me during vintage time. I don't know where I got this energy from, from six o'clock in the morning till one, two o'clock at night. Yeah, I was full of energy <laughs> and loved that experience. I think once you find something that you love, you never get tired and you never get bored because wine is such an exciting journey. And ever, every season is different. There are new challenges. You're doing, dealing with different things and, I had an amazing, amazing time at Bass Philip um, all those years till 2012 uh, when I said to Philip, uh, I just want to bring my wine back home. <laughs> and we started making the wine on premises in 2012 and built a small winery. It has been doing that since. So I, I, it's just such an unusual pathway and I love it. I mean, I think, you know, when people – when people think about winemakers, I think they often don't necessarily think about women. They don't think about people who've gone into it as, you know, a, a second or a third career. And I don't think they often very, very often think about Indian people. I mean, how have you found it being, you know, a, a quite an atypical winemaker? I think I've been very lucky where I landed, Danny, uh, with Philip. Um, as you said, he always encouraged and said the women have a better palate. <laughs> I think it was my good karma to be in that atmosphere, encouraged because I was a, a clean slate or a blank canvas. You know, I learned everything there, my real winemaking and my wine appreciation skills with Philip. And um, it was very encouraging see, I had these capabilities to do it and I can do it. So I think I was very lucky uh, to be there at that time and uh, meet so many people. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there a wine culture in India? As such, like last few years, there have been a growing wine culture in India, especially in upper and middle class because India had more a British influence and drank more rum and whiskey and that also uh, in men. But uh, uh, I, I think the wine has come up as a very sophisticated and elite drink and uh, very fashionable to be drinking uh, wine, but um, only in certain, not openly with meals like we do it here. Uh, mostly in like you get it in five-star restaurants, uh, uh, I mean, Michelin-star restaurants or five-star hotels, restaurants and stuff like that. But it's growing, the, the knowledge about wine and appreciation about wine. Um, there's a funny story I want to share with you. When I first uh, started making wine and there was a wedding back home in our family and we were very excited to send this wine with them so they can have it and they didn't know how to drink wine, so they mixed it with water. <laughs> Just like they mix a scotch or something. <laughs> so I think it, uh, India has come a long way. That uh, I think people are more 
knowledgeable and they are thirsty for knowledge and to drink and to appreciate and to know i think there is lot of young people now uh, in india and who are more exposed to going and traveling overseas and coming back home uh, and appreciating those things mm i mean what does your family back home think about your your new career i think they can't believe it that i'm the first uh, when i started uh, doing the wine thing my dad said oh if you wanted to do agriculture why didn't you do it here <laughs> but then uh, mom and dad understood and my brother and my sister was always very um, respectful of what i was doing and amazed and always encouraged me uh, and my sister is here and um she has always helped me as well during my career and she is a microbiologist so you know there are a lot of discussions we do together in the wine making thing too so it's a very hands on family affair and last couple of years rohit has come abroad uh, come out aboard um our son and that has put a new energy into wine so it's a very very family affair and had put you know uh, more vitality and energy into into the business mm. and i mean what about matching your wine to food i mean how do you approach that um i think wine making has taught me to learn, to look at my food differently too danny and i have um i i if it has thought more about food to me how i look up which i had never thought like that before the the taste the flavor the balance the texture and if i look at my food it's all that it's a it's a complex food with sweetness sourness and then uh, the different herbs and spices and chilies and then uh, and the texture and i think when i my palate was such so when i made the wines i loved the wines which had all those elements a balance and a texture and natural acidity and sweet sweetness and i didn't do it consciously but i loved those wines and when i started um uh, matching those wines with the different foods that we make they were i said oh who says that indian food can't be drunk with the wines <laughs> there are so many options <laughs> to have right wines with indian food so you know wine with natural acidity a balance and a texture goes very well with, with any indian food and it's been exciting and learning journey and that's where um, you know we the, i think was very lucky my husband being a chef <laughs> so uh, so we you know at home we'll do this different wine matching and with our food what we most of the time have indian food and it says wow this goes so good <laughs> especially the especially the aromatic white um, uh, and the wine with uh, the skin contacts they go so well Uh, i think acidity is the key tabby acidity in any wine uh, the natural acidity is the key because indian foods are very um, complex and strong uh, i think they have to have it the good acid good natural acidity in the wine carries all the flavors and enhances you can have the wine experience enjoy the wine experience and the food as well 
Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, having had the privilege of drinking your wine alongside uh, Hayley's food, um, Hayley Rachel's food, Antivire Laundry at home when she was doing that during lockdown and also um, Harry Mangat's food at the winery at one of your beautiful Sunday lunches, it, I... I think there's a real dialogue between the wine and the food and there's something in the length of it. I think the length, the length of the flavors in, in the food and the length of the wine, I think there's, it's, it's very multidimensional. I feel like there's a lot of interweaving of flavor and texture um, through that, through those, that, those long lingering flavors. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I never looked at it that way, but someone at the winery said to me once and said, oh, do you make your wines in that way because you've got an Indian palate? And I said, hang on, I didn't think that. <laughs> but maybe because I'm eating all those foods all the time, I'm looking for that texture, the beautiful acidity, the, the intensity of flavors. That's what all Indian food is like that. So, mm. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Um so tell us about how Avani does food events, because I know you've got, you know, different things happening at different times. What's the sort of philosophy around using the space for, for guests? Yeah, so we started this journey a long time ago, on and off. We used to do um, uh, food, uh, food pop, the restaurant pop-ups. But last couple of years, we've been doing it regularly during the times that we are not using the same space for winemaking. So that's why the pop-ups are in during winter wine weekend. We have a few weeks there. Um, when the vintage has finished, everything is in barrel. We can move them to the side and we can create a space during that time. And, and again, in um, starting from uh, November, um, November to end of January for February until we need the space again for the winemaking. Um, and we've been uh, very lucky to work with these, uh, um, you know, young chefs who's, who has prepared these uh, very exciting menus. And India is such a diverse um, country with all different, um, you know, different regions brings a different kind of food culture with them. So all these different chefs bring that diversity that India show to showcase Indian diversity. And it's very exciting to match my wines with all diverse flavors. So it never gets boring. <laughs> it's always something new. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. I know that you've got a residency coming up with Misha Tropp, who we've had on the podcast uh, a couple of months ago when he was in his butter chicken uh, phase with Elsie's Butter Chicken. But yes, it's exciting to see that he's getting back into restaurant land with you um, over the next month or so. Um, what sort of what's what's exciting you about this collaboration? We are very excited to uh, have Misha on board uh, this time and uh, because last time we missed him, he was in India and we've been following him for a long time and we're a big fan of his food because he was the one who showcased uh, the regionality. He started showing the regionality in Indian food. Um, previously, it was not done, which was a shame. Uh, and so 
you know, he's going to showcase the different parts of India, starting from, you know, Mumbai to Gujarat to Kerala to Delhi, the different foods. So I'm really excited to have that journey with him and um, match our wines. That sounds so exciting, really. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a really exciting journey. <laughs> I, can, I can see all that food in, yeah, in front of me. <laughs> Same. I can see that journey in front of me. So beautiful. Yeah. Um, oh, Shashi, it's just so so lovely to learn more about um, what's brought you, to, brought you to Avani and to be doing what you're doing. Um, is there anything else that's on your mind that you'd like to share with the listeners today? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's always good to keep the things exciting and new because that keeps the energy into what you're doing. So I think we are very excited. Uh, I'm very excited to be able to give this chance last year to work with um, Gippsland Fruit and um, a very old friend of ours, Eddie and Vieda, have got... Uh, this beautiful, very old vineyard planted to Pinot and Chardonnay um, in Gippsland from Altrum. And previously, the fruit used to go to Philip Jones for the Bass Philip wines. And um, as you know, the Bass Philip has been um, sold. So um, we got this opportunity to work with them and make the wine. I'm just so excited because I started my journey from <laughs> Gippsland <laughs> to have these Pinot hand to have my hands on this fruit and and to see where these wines take. So it's very exciting. Those wines are looking very, very exciting. So I'm excited about that and excited about Roit joining us, <laughs> our son, and bring, um, you know, a, a different element to the business. Beautiful, Shashi. Well, um, I'm, yeah, so excited about getting down to Avani before too long and um, I'm going to have even yeah, more depth to my appreciation for what you're doing. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you very kind of you, Denny, for having me on your program and want to invite you here during different lunches that we are going to do. Please do come. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.